How do you feel about feelings? Seriously, have you ever stopped to think about it? Do you have strong opinions about any specific emotions, like anger or sadness? You probably haven't spent much time dwelling on this topic before today, but after this episode, you'll probably view emotions quite differently. Couples in relationships have all kinds of differences, right? Yep. Like, I like chocolate. Robert, not so much. Not so much. But one of the differences couples almost never talk about is their differing perspectives on emotions. And that's unfortunate because this is one of the number one reasons couples end up in coaching or therapy. Today, we're going to unpack how these differing perspectives can wreak havoc on relationships and what you can do about it. Did you know the average couple waits six years to get help in their marriage? Yeah, that's six years of pain, hurt, and frustration. Hi there, I'm Charlotte Snow. And I'm Robert Snow. And welcome to Master Your Marriage. Where we believe that having an amazing marriage should never feel like hard work and shouldn't be a guessing game. This is the show for married couples who want to discover a scientifically proven approach to building a masterful marriage and have fun while doing it. So if that's you, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. So as we were preparing for this episode, I'm excited. I'm excited. I think this is going to be a really good show. Yeah, I think this is the basis for a lot of um, not understanding your partner type stuff and and also kind of this distance isolation cascade. And I think people, they fall into this category because they don't necessarily understand why their partner wants to share or why they're having the feelings that they're having. And I, and I think that sometimes in the coaching and counseling world, we address all these other things instead of let's, you know, instead of getting down to just like, how do you feel about emotions? Yeah. So this is going to be good. Okay. So for you following along, um, I want you to think about these questions that I'm about to ask and whether you agree, disagree, or whether you're neutral. Okay. Here's the questions. Got Number it. one, I try not to think too much about my emotional state. Mm. Okay. okay. Got it. Number two, I believe that people should just roll with the punches and get on with life. Ooh, how do I feel about that? Okay, got it. Number three, there's not much point in dwelling on your inner feelings. Hmm, okay. Or number four, I generally view being emotional as being out of control. All right, and number five. And number five, people ought to be more rational and less emotional. Hmm, so do I agree, disagree, or neutral? Got okay. it. All right. Well, how did you answer? And more importantly, how different do you think your partner would answer some of those questions? What if I told you that your differing emotional philosophies could be at the root of many of your relationship issues? Have you ever felt like your partner just doesn't get you, especially when you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed? Have you ever said or heard your partner say, you just never listen to me? I've heard that. If so, that's this is exactly what we're talking about. All right. So I'm going to start out by sharing a quick story. Oh, I love stories. Okay, go. Okay, good. Well, this story really could represent many of the clients that we've worked with, and it might seem very familiar to you as well. So, of course, we have fictitious names. Emma and Liam came in for coaching. Emma complained that Liam was scary because he sometimes gets angry. In reality, Liam wasn't really angry. He was frustrated that he was constantly criticized by Emma. Uh -oh. She frequently told him that he doesn't listen 
to her feelings. There's something there. Liam didn't listen because he hates dwelling on the negative. He doesn't see any value in that. He thinks Emma is so negative all the time. And as Liam and I started working together in an individual session, it became really clear to me that he avoided any negative emotions at all costs. In fact, he actually struggled to feel emotions in general. We're going to talk about that later. We spent a lot of time together doing some emotional coaching with Liam so that he was able to start even getting in touch with those emotions in his own body. So is that is that common when people don't want to feel emotions in one way? Do they sort of suppress them across the board? They can. They can. They can. Okay. Yeah. We're going to talk about what that's called later. There's okay. a there's a fancy name for that. Oh, that's right. All right. Okay. Here's the deal. Emotions are very complex and what makes them even more complex are the attitudes and beliefs and feelings that we have, well, about our feelings. About our feelings. We all have beliefs about emotions. And where do these beliefs come from? Well, how many of you grew up hearing phrases like man up or boys don't cry? Or maybe some of you grew up in a family that talked openly about their emotions. They talked a lot about that. Or maybe others grew up in a family that never talked about their emotions. Our beliefs about emotions are mostly unconscious because they were shaped in our early life by our parents, caretakers, and even oftentimes the culture in which we're raised in. And we also may have gone through some traumatic experiences where we've formed beliefs about emotions like anger is toxic. Ooh, anger is toxic. That's that's one I've heard before. And we're going to talk about that later and whether or not that's actually true or not. And, you know, some of the beliefs that we have that have been passed down to us Many of them can be really helpful. Some of our beliefs can be resourceful. Or we may have gotten some pretty tattered hand-me-downs when it comes to emotional education. Oh, I like that. So what are some examples of a few of the beliefs that people might have about feelings, about emotions? Well, vulnerability. What do people think about that? Don't do it. It's not safe. Right. Or anger is dangerous. Mm -hmm. Or I've heard, I love anger. Anger is energizing. I have a story for that one. Some people think emotions are good. Other people think emotions are bad. Some people think emotions are controllable. Other people think emotions aren't controllable. Some think they should suppress their emotions, while others think, I should maybe talk about these emotions. While you'll sometimes hear other people say, you know what, I always try to look on the bright side. So these are just a few of potentially thousands of different beliefs that people have about emotions. So there's an interesting story I just wanted to bring it up. It was about sort of anger as this anger is toxic or anger leads to all these things. Mm -hmm. When we were first married, I remember I was doing this remodel project and your mom was visiting. And um, Uh oh, that's already a problem. Yeah, it's a problem, but that's okay. So I was carrying, um, we were... For some reason, I was remodeling the kitchen, so I had a whole countertop. I just sort of glued it together, and I was, I think, taking it out back to the garage to cut the sinkhole or something in it. And um, I slipped on the ice, and I broke that thing in about four pieces. Um, so after I picked myself up off the ice, um, and I stomped on the rest of the countertop, mostly because I was mad at it, um, but also so I could get it into the trash can in smaller pieces. Um, and Charlotte's mom saw this, and she felt that anger meant that you were going to be an aggressive or a bad husband. Or that I would be abused. Or that you'd be abused. Not, and you know, I can always say there was never, that never occurred, but, but so she passed that along to Charlotte. So you can see where I was just angry and I wasn't angry. I was angry at the countertop. Maybe I used the countertop after it was already broken. (laughs) But in our relationship, those two things are completely different. So sometimes we, we conflate these ideas. Right. 
Right. Yeah. That's a good example of just how someone could look at that and go, man, Robert's sure an angry elf. You know, look how angry he is. That's going to mean X. Whereas somebody else could just look at it and go, that's a reasonable response to breaking a countertop that you just spent five hours working on. Yeah. Right. Well, how do we, how do we know if what we believe is helpful or even true? In some cases, there's really no right or wrong. In other cases, we can probably turn to the research. In multiple studies, researchers have looked at whether or not our emotional philosophies impact our well-being. And it turned out that many of these philosophies can affect us in some very important ways. Take, for example, the belief that emotions are not controllable. Some swear by this, believing that they have absolutely no control over their emotions, while others will use emotional management strategies such as reappraisal to help them deal with their difficult emotions. So what's reappraisal? Reappraisal is the process of reinterpreting or reframing an emotionally upsetting event in a more positive light. It involves looking at alternative meanings. For example, your spouse seems uncharacteristically sharp or defensive one day, and it's causing you to feel upset and defensive too. So maybe inside your mind, you choose to reinterpret, again, reappraisal. You choose to reinterpret the situation, giving your partner the benefit of the doubt. And doing so may calm your own emotions so that you're able to actually get to the root of it by saying something like, hey, what's up? You seem a little stressed today. What's going on? Talk to me. So much better than letting that cascade from exactly I'm negative to you become more negative and then I'm responding to you're more negative, right? And if that's exactly what would happen if I was responding just to my own emotions, it would likely escalate that negativity. Right. Now, here's the kicker. Study shows that... The more people that believe their emotions are malleable, i.e. changeable, the more they're actually willing to use reappraisal, and this leads to greater emotional well-being. Researchers of these studies concluded that, quote, how people think about the malleability of their emotions seems to be a crucial factor in their emotional functioning, close quote. And we'll drop the links to these studies in the show notes for those interested in learning a bit more. But it's clear from the research that how we view our feelings can have a significant impact on our overall well-being. Now, what gets really interesting is what happens when we take our individual philosophies and merge them into a new culture with our significant other who has different philosophies about emotions. And oh boy, is that where it starts to get really interesting. Bringing two different people together. Yeah. Now, enter something called meta-emotions. Meta-emotions is a fancy word in the therapy world that simply means how we feel about our feelings. So I'll say that again. Meta-emotions is simply how you feel about feelings. Oh, I feel that my feelings are good. Okay. Okay. Let's see what else we feel. Okay. Oddly enough, most couples therapists are unaware of meta-emotions, which is unfortunate because a meta-emotion mismatch is probably the single most common reason couples present for counseling, therapy, or even coaching. If your relationship has a meta-emotion mismatch, you need to be aware and you need to have a plan for how to address it. Yes. And that's something we do when we're doing coaching with clients. When we're working with couples, one of the very first things we do is something we call a relationship checkup. And it's an assessment that we have them, a really in-depth assessment we have them take. And one part of that assessment is looking at these mismatches. And it's actually one of the very first things we look at. The meta-emotions section of our assessment has 45 questions that are similar to those 
statements Robert asked you to agree or disagree with at the beginning of the episode. So I was thinking, Robert, do you think we should make that part of the assessment maybe available over on Instagram this week? You want to give a 45-question exam on Instagram? Well, what do you think? Well, I think we probably can come up with something that hits the high point. I think it would be really helpful for people to start identifying where they are on the spectrum and where their partner is because, like, this is a major cause for problems in relationships. Yeah, and we're going to talk about... um, we're going to talk about the different versions of how people process these meta-emotions. Yeah, we're getting yeah. to that. Okay. Why do we assess meta-emotions then? Well, when relationships are working well, you often see that the couple uh, is fairly well matched within their meta-emotions, meaning they have similar, similar philosophies about emotions. On the other hand, mismatches can be a very serious problem because couples are speaking a different emotional language and they usually don't realize it. In a couple who is mismatched, one partner is usually emotionally expressive and values emotions, while the other partner may not, or they might be dismissive or even alexithymic. Alexa what what? Right. Better not say that too loud or Alexa's going to start talking back to us. Right. Right. What that means is that it's hard to describe your own emotions and hard to understand other people's emotions. So individuals who are a little bit repressed emotionally won't be as expressive and they may have a really difficult time connecting with their partner when their partner is sad or angry or needs affection or support. Right. Mm -hmm. And our own research and our own experience suggests that all people have an unconscious system within themselves in which they organize these philosophies about individual emotions like anger or just emotions in general. In John Gottman's research, one woman said that she hated sadness because she had a depressed mother, uh, and she described her father. Also, she described him as a bully. She said that because she and her sisters got together when they were young and decided to never be sad Mm. and always turned sadness into anger. She said she still did that to this day and that she loved anger because it was energizing. Mm. When asked how she responded when her youngest son was sad, she said, oh, I just feel awful when he's sad. So I go out and go for a run. Wow. Think about that, right? So her, that, that her, could be misinterpreted. her mom, she grew up with a mom who was always depressed. So she decided sadness was not okay ever. And we always had to turn that into anger. And then she has a child who gets sad, who probably needs support. And what does she do? She, she runs away, literally. And literally runs away. Literally runs away. Interesting. So in another another example of this was in John Gottman's couples that he was researching. And when they were interviewed, they both the husband and wife said they both had explosive fathers that they loved dearly, but they were also afraid of them. And so they decided very consciously to protect their relationship from anger at all costs. Mm. They had banished anger from any interaction, meaning that when it did inevitably arise, which it usually does, that was like a major red flag for and, and cause for major repairs. Yeah, I can see that. That would be a problematic. Yeah. By the way, it's interesting to note that anger in and of itself does not predict divorce or relationship breakup. This was something that came from John Gottman's research. Anger is a common characteristic of all relationships, both stable and unhappy dissolving relationships. However, 
Now, going back to meta emotions again. And how we process them. Right. right? Okay. Anger could be a problem when one partner has strong feelings about it. Oh. People whose meta emotion about anger equates anger with something like disrespect or contempt or a person with a history of anger that's connected to traumatic experiences will likely struggle when their partner is angry, and this will likely lead to significant conflict escalation. So almost exactly like the story we told. Of the countertop. Yeah. Yep. So the point here is that when individuals enter into relationships with one another, they form unique meta-emotion combinations. In well-functioning relationships, partners are either well-matched in meta-emotions or they have found ways to coexist in harmony and understanding their differences. Whereas where couples haven't figured out how to coexist with these differences, there's usually a lot of unmet expectations, hurt, and resentment. And these mismatches can be the source of so many perpetual conflicts in a relationship. And couples with unchecked mismatches are usually turning away from one another and causing a lot of damage to their friendship. That's sad. Mm -hmm. So where do we where do we begin to kind of understand this problem and... What do we do about it? Well, I would say the first step is to identify your meta emotion type, right? A meta emotion type? Right. So one, uh, on each end of the spectrum, are you an emotional poacher or an emotion dismisser? Mm-hmm. So these two exist. I want you to just to visualize there's, they're on each end of the spectrum. So let's describe each end of the spectrum and you can see where you and your partner might fit into this example. Okay. So first we have the emotion coachers. Mm -hmm. Okay, emotion coachers tend to be accepting of emotions like sadness or disappointment or loss. But more importantly, when they experience these emotions, they want to talk through them. And if they're married, coachers especially want to talk about these emotions with their spouse. So they want to sit in it. In fact, coachers find it very difficult to feel connected Think about that. That's how they feel connected to their spouse. They can't feel that unless they can share these emotions to their partner and then be responded to with understanding and empathy. But here's the important thing to know. Coaches aren't usually looking for solutions or apologies when they talk about their emotions. What they want is to know that they aren't alone in those emotions. They want someone to get them. They want empathy. And coachers usually have a difficult time compartmentalizing their emotions. So when they do have an argument with their spouse, it's hard for them to feel like things are okay unless they can process the argument and feel understood. Oh, wow. Okay. The other end of the spectrum are the emotion dismissers. Emotion dismissers tend to avoid difficult emotions if they can. Um, They have just as many emotions as the coachers do, but they deal with these emotions in in a very different way. A dismisser is more of an internal processor. They don't need to or want to talk about their emotions with someone else. What they want to do is put the setback behind them and move on. Dismissers generally respond to negative emotions by counting their blessings, looking on the bright side, focusing on the positive, or finding their own solution. They like to fix things and consider talking about emotions as pretty much a waste of time. Dismissers believe that they should try to be happy and that everyone else should try to be happy as well. For a dismisser, talking about sadness, loneliness, or disappointment is just dwelling on the negative, and they don't perceive any value in wallowing in such things. Interesting. Two opposite ends of the spectrum. And I do want to mention here that it isn't necessarily gender-specific. Right. 
this isn't like a male female thing. There's there's both, you know, male and female on both ends of the spectrum. Because I think when we say things like dismissers just want to fix it, we tend to think that's men, but it's not. There's plenty of and I would say for both Robert and I, early on in our marriage, we were both dismissers. Yeah. I would say that we were about this, which is probably why it worked for us. And it's taken a lot for us to be able to learn how to be with people who are emotional coachers because it used to annoy us and drive us crazy. Yeah. You know, the good news about being married is that it doesn't matter what your two meta emotions are. You'll have kids. You'll have kids and they'll be different. And and you're going to have to learn how to manage that as well. Exactly. Yeah. So as you think about these two opposite ends of the spectrum, are you starting to see how these two people can create a lot of problems in their marriage if they don't understand this? How does this specifically, though, how does this specifically play out in real life? Well, when coaches try to share difficult emotions, their dismissive partner usually jumps into action. I can fix that. I can fix that. They're just trying to solve that problem. And that's their way of helping. But that isn't what the coacher wants. The coacher wants you to empathize and understand. And when they don't get that, they feel incredibly disconnected. And they usually don't even understand why they feel disconnected. But that disconnection can lead them to becoming kind of petty and critical. And then you're sitting there with neither person really understanding the true source of what's going on or why they're feeling so out of sync with each other. Yeah. Not emotion mismatch. You got it. And of course, the dismisser, for the dismisser, this is exhausting. So exhausting. Yeah. They don't understand what the coacher wants for them because, you know, all they're trying to do is help and they just want to fix the issue. And when they try to fix it, they usually hear things like, you never listen to me. Mm -hmm. And this feels the dismisser to feel unappreciated or even unreasonably attacked. So as you can see, not only do individual emotions like anger carry meaning for people, but also the general way in which we process our emotions can be vastly different from person to person. And when these meta-emotion mismatches are left unchecked, it can lead to the deterioration of the relationship. And often this results in the emotional coacher finding someone else to confide these things in. So they go and confide in other people, which oftentimes can lead down a road that can lead to breaches in commitment. Yeah, that. That could be a slippery slope. A very slippery slope, depending on who you're confiding in. And if you can confide in someone who is giving you all of the empathy and understanding that you're looking for, where that can possibly lead. Right. Helping couples deal with a meta-emotion mismatch can be a little bit complex. First, it is really helpful for couples to just understand each other's meta-emotion system better. So this is where we can update our love maps and increase our understanding of how we each process emotions. By better, by better understanding each other, we can be a bit more patient in our relationships. Yeah. You know, and also working with someone who specializes or understands meta-emotions can also be really helpful for getting you to the root cause of some of those highly charged emotions and beliefs. Absolutely. Now, it's also important to mention that you need to also work on decreasing negative conflict and increasing positive conflict so that you have that minimum that we talk about, that minimum of five to one ratio of positivity to negativity. And we've talked about this in many episodes, but you can do this by infusing humor, silliness, a repair statement, or even just standing up in the middle of a disagreement and getting the other person a cup of coffee or doing something nice can be super beneficial in adding those deposits and changing it from negative to positive. Absolutely. It's funny how 
you would think that getting up and doing something nice in the middle of a conversation is sort of walking away, but it, it gives you a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you don't walk off in mid-sentence. Change the whole mood. Yeah, it can change the whole mood. Now, uh, for you dismissers, this is important to remember. You don't need to apologize or solve any problems just yet. Just listen to understand. Your partner wouldn't wouldn't even accept your suggestion or the apology anyway unless you've demonstrated some empathy first. Try to be patient and remember that this is the way that they process emotions. And even maybe saying something like, wow, that sounds really hard. And let them know that you empathize with what they are experiencing. Now, for you coachers, what you can do a little bit better, let's talk about that. So let's One thing is you can start using a more gentle start when you bring up an issue with your partner or you're bringing up an emotional issue. It's likely that you have been approaching your partner in a way in the past that has felt critical to them. Also, it's important to stop assuming that your way is the only way to process emotions. When your partner is having a bad day and they're not a coacher like you, they may not want to talk about their emotions in the way that you want to talk about your emotions. So don't take that personally if they just want to do a little internal processing. Also, when your partner is listening to your emotions, be patient. Resist um, feeling rejected if they try to provide you with a quick solution. Remind yourself this is how they're trying to help you. Lastly, both partners should try to remember that neither way is right or wrong. You are just different people with different operating systems. Now, as in most cases, working on conflict alone is not always enough. Couples always need to put those deposits into their relationship account by creating positive effect systems and building their friendship. This is especially important with meta-emotion mismatches. Now, even though probably 80 to 90% of the couples that we work with have a meta-emotion mismatch, it doesn't mean that you're with the wrong person. Absolutely not. Or that you've made a terrible mistake because you're mismatched. But what it does mean is that you need to learn how to live in harmony with your differences. We're often, remember, we're often attracted to people who are different from us. And then we get into these relationships and we try to change them into us. And that isn't the solution. The solution is always understanding, friendship, positive conflict, and having a lot of grace. Absolutely a lot of grace. Well, that was good stuff. Yeah, I think that's a wrap for today. Yeah. As always, be kind to each other. Take care of each other. Put each other first. It's the small and simple things every day that create strong relationships. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Master Your Marriage. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, then we want to hear from you. Just go to MasterYourMarriagePodcast.com and send us your question. Oh, and while you're there, you can also check out our retreats and events and even apply for coaching. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get advanced notice of when the next episode drops, plus show notes and many extras. Thanks again for tuning in.